I'd invite you to turn with me in your Bibles once again to Galatians chapter 5 as we continue our study in this nine flavored fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in every one of the people of God. Acts, excuse me, Galatians chapter 5, and we'll continue our reading, but just read these two verses in which this fruit is described. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things... There is no law. It would be wonderful if the laws of our country altogether promoted these things in their biblical sense. But thankfully, there's no law against them. Especially the law of God is definitely not against them. Well, we come this morning to the seventh item in the list. We've gone through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, now we come to faithfulness. Faithfulness. Well, I remember when I was in college, and there's a little quiz, maybe you can guess who this character would be. When I was in college, our Christian fellowship, at one point, and I don't remember the occasion, had a costume party. And this one philosophy major named Doug uh, came with a kind of a toga on, holding a lantern. And maybe you philosophy majors here might guess who that character was, but I certainly didn't have a clue. It didn't show up in my chemical engineering texts. Uh, who is this guy with a lantern, uh, with a toga on? Well, he gave a clue. I said, who are you? He said, well, have you seen an honest man? Sorry, that doesn't help. Well, maybe those who are philosophy majors, it rings a bell. That was supposed to be Diogenes, the Greek philosopher, who apparently went around at midday with a lantern and would ask the question, have you seen an honest man? Well, he went around Greece of his day and apparently not too many showed up because it is something rare. But thankfully... Because faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit, we can say we've met them. We can say we know them. In fact, yesterday at the graduation uh, recognition or celebration for uh, a man in this congregation, Mr. Doug Prohl, there was a text of Scripture mentioned, and I believe this was independently arrived at by three different individuals. Proverbs 20, verse 6, and here's the ESV version. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Sounds kind of like Diogenes, doesn't it? Have you seen a faithful man? Well, this verse was referred to yesterday because it was a man in whom the fruit of the Spirit has been made manifest that we were recognizing in his uh, retirement from being principal, head, teacher, counselor, etc., etc., at Trinity Christian School for many years. Because it's the fruit of the Spirit, and the Spirit works this in his people, faithfulness. A faithfulness, a faithful man who can find. Well, we're going to follow our usual outline as we go through this. What is faithfulness? Where does it come from? Where do we get it? What hinders our faithfulness? What does it mean for us? Uh, but let's pause. Because, you know, again, it's the fruit of the Spirit. My goal in preaching this is to see more of it. But if that's going to happen, we need God to do it. Let's pause and pray. 
Our Father in heaven, we come and we bow before you. You are the faithful God, even as we have just sung, great is your faithfulness. And we know that you duplicate your character in your people. That you create in us, recreate in us that image, which is according to righteousness and holiness of the truth. And we ask that you would use your word this morning to further work in the hearts of each of your people, that work of faithfulness, but also that those who are unfaithful, those who may even by your spirit be brought to recognize in themselves the sin of unfaithfulness, that they would be brought to the foot of him who alone can change them, save them, pardon them, accept them. And what you have done in us to a degree, you can do in them as well. And we know and we long for that day when this work that you have begun in us will be completed. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We ask in that precious name alone. Amen. Amen. So then we'll begin, what is faithfulness? And it's a very interesting thing to note as you, if you had the Greek text, if you knew Greek, and again, this is not a lecture in Greek, but the, the word in Greek actually is the word faith. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, faith. Well, why do most of our versions translate that faithfulness? Well, um, the Greek word, if you look it up in the Greek dictionary, you would find two definitions. One is conviction of the truth of anything, belief. Just like the centurion that Jesus met and the centurion asked him to go and uh, heal his, his slave. And he said, you don't need to go to my house, just say the word. And Jesus responded, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. There's the same word, faith. Great faith. Well, in one meaning, yes, it means belief, conviction of the truth, or even the content of the truth. And of course, this in a way fits with what he's saying, the fruit of the Spirit, because this fruit starts with faith, you know? You have to believe to receive the Holy Spirit. Look, if just turn over a page in Galatians, or two pages in my Bible, Galatians 3, verse 2, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? They heard the gospel, they believed the gospel, and they received the Spirit, and they received then the fruit of the Spirit. So, in one sense, yes, the Spirit gives faith, and the Spirit produces then faithfulness, because the second meaning of the word is fidelity, faithfulness, the character of one who can be relied on. And we find this in, uh, in our Bibles, the word is used this way. In fact, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament uses this word frequently uh, with his second meaning, faithfulness. For example, 2 Kings, and I'll just read the verse, 12.15, when they were reconstructing uh, or repairing the temple, it, they gave the money into the hands of the workmen, and it says of them, moreover, they did not require an accounting from the men into whose hand they gave the money to pay to those who did the work, for they dealt faithfully. If Diogenes had gone to Israel in that day, when uh, Hezekiah was repairing the temple, or Josiah, excuse me, I think it was Josiah, when it was being repaired anyway, he would have found some honest men. Because they dealt faithfully. You didn't have to say, well, wait a minute, how did you spend that shekel? Where did you spend that denarius? Or whatever it may be. What? No, they dealt faithfully. That's the same Greek word in the Greek translation of the Hebrew. And so this word can be used to mean faithfulness, fidelity, trustworthiness. And that's what it is in this text, because it's speaking of the result of what the Spirit does, the character that it builds 
in the lives of God's people. And so, as Hendrickson said, the word here means loyalty, fidelity, faithfulness to God and his will, and toward men, loyalty. So, conclusion, what are we talking about when we say the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness? We mean trustworthiness, faithfulness, loyalty, a person you can trust. That's what the Holy Spirit does in the lives of God's people. Well, of course, the great example of faithfulness is God himself. God keeps his word. Look at Deuteronomy. One of the earliest psalms or songs that we find in our Bibles is here in Deuteronomy chapter 32. <clears throat> this is Moses' song. Deuteronomy 32, give ear, O heavens, and let me speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, and my speech distill as the dew, as the droplets on the fresh grass, as the showers on the herb. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. All right, I'll stop there. We won't read the whole song of Moses, but maybe you might ask Moses a question if we had him here before us. Mr. Moses, why did you say on that occasion, right up front in the beginning of your song, he is a God of faithfulness? How, how do you know God is faithful? Moses might have answered with a little twinkle in his eye. Well, where are we right now? We're on the verge of the, entering the promised land. Where are we coming from? We're coming from Egypt. God promised to Abraham a long time ago that he was going to give to his seed. He's going to, first of all, make them numerous. Look at us. A couple million and he was going to give us that land that we're about to cross Jordan. I'm not going to go there, but the people are going to get there. God keeps his word. You can absolutely trust what God says. We have a faithful word here. You know, you read the books of men and eh, some are good, some are not so good. God's word, you can absolutely trust. He is a faithful God. The Psalms are full of this. Sing to him a new song, Psalm 33. Play skillfully with a shout of joy, for the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. The, the psalmists love to sing of God's faithfulness. Psalm 36. Your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness this much no reaches to the skies doesn't get any higher than that how great is god's faithfulness it reaches to the skies your righteousness is like the mountains of god your judgments like a great deep how precious is your loving kindness well god's loving kindness god's faithfulness god's faithfulness is part of his people's praise we just sang about it. Great is your faithfulness. Did your heart enter into that? You know, I rebuke myself because sometimes I put my mouth on autopilot when we sing some of these familiar hymns. It ought not to be so. Because we're talking about how great is the faithfulness of our God. Does your heart enter into that? He's been faithful to me. I can't think of one of his promises that he has failed to keep. Great is his faithfulness. And so, I hope you're getting the point. God himself is the standard of faithfulness. And just like with goodness, we measure it by his standard. He keeps his word? What then, Paul asks the Romans, if some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify 
the faithfulness of God, will it? May it never be. Rather, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. Romans chapter 9, 27 and 28. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved. For the Lord will execute his word upon the earth thoroughly and quickly. He will execute it. Don't doubt it. You read something in the Bible, you say, well, it hadn't happened yet. Well, okay, it hadn't happened yet. But it's going to happen. Is his promise, is he slow towards his promise? Well, some count slowness, maybe. But with the Lord, remember, one day is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. With him, it's not slow. He's coming. He's going to do it. Just wait on it. He will execute his word. Every word of God, Proverbs 35 and verse 5, every word of God is tested. That means refined, smelted, assayed. It's kind of a mining word. They put it in the smelter and make sure it's pure. But it's tested. It's trustworthy. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And so here we are. We're to be like God. He keeps his word. We're to be faithful, trustworthy. We can trust God. We can trust his word. Our word ought to be like his word. He's steadfast. He changes not. There's no shadow of changing with him. We ought to be faithful and steadfast as well. And so here's our definition. Christian faithfulness is that grace of spirit-created excellence whereby the Christian is trustworthy and faithful to his commitments to both God and men. Faithful to his commitments to both God and men. Now, to fellow creatures, let me use an illustration from classical literature. I'm sure this showed up in that course on the great books. Uh, Horton hatches the egg. You remember the elephant Horton? And uh, this lazy bird, Maisie, wants to go on a vacation. And here Horton the elephant comes along and Maisie says, Oh, Horton, why don't you sit on my egg for me? And Horton climbs up into the tree, sits on the branch with the tree bending under his weight. And he sits on that egg and he sits on that egg and they take him to the zoo in New York because it's such a strange thing to see an elephant sitting on an egg. But you remember what he said? And this, I don't know. You, you can tell the kind of fine literature I read as a boy. Um, but it stuck with me. He said again and again, I meant what I said and I said what I meant. An elephant's faithful. 100%. Well, that, that's faithfulness to fellow creatures. He said it, and he stuck by it. And you know the end of the story, when the little bird hatches, it's an elephant bird. But <laughs> he was faithful. 100%. That's the character of a Christian. We find it, in a, if you want to have a more scriptural illustration we have it with Daniel. Daniel. Turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom that they should be in charge of the whole kingdom. And over them, three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one that these satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss. Of course, kings don't want to lose their tax revenue uh, by any means. And so he has 120 satraps and three commissioners to keep an eye on the satraps. Daniel's one of the three. Then this Daniel, verse 3, began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. Hmm, what spirit is that? The Holy Spirit. And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. 
So not just one of three commissioners, but head over the three commissioners, head over everything, because he's faithful. Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was, there's the word, faithful. And no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. And so they make this appeal to the king that no one should pray to anyone but to him for 30 days. And so what happened? Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. God doesn't change. Daniel didn't change. God's faithful to his word and his commitments. Daniel was faithful to his commitment to his God. He wasn't going to change just because the king made this new law. He was determined. He was faithful 100%. He kept his commitment to his God. So that's what faithfulness is. That's what we're talking about. With these couple of illustrations, I hope it, it gives you a feel for uh, what the word means. The fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness. Well, where does it come from is our second question. And of course, as with all the others that we've considered thus far, it comes from the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Going back to, uh, to Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. It means, in other words, you need the Holy Spirit if you want to be faithful. If you want to find faithfulness, you look for it where the Holy Spirit of God is at work. It's no wonder that Diogenes didn't find it in Greece It's no wonder that Solomon proclaimed a faithful man who can find, even in Israel, there were a lot of unfaithful people. It's no wonder that, that Pilate skeptically asks Jesus, what is truth? He wasn't used to finding it or seeing it. Used car salesmen have a bad rap. Is it any wonder that it's a rare commodity? Because it's only where the Holy Spirit really, truly is at work. Thankfully, again, like with the others of these aspects of the Spirit's work, we can see that there is some common grace. We can see that especially where there has been an influence of the Scripture in the society, yes, you can find traces of it. But real faithfulness, it's what the Spirit does. So you need the Spirit. You need the Spirit. You need Christ. How do you get the Spirit? We read it in Galatians chapter 3. By hearing with faith. Hearing the gospel. Believing in Jesus. Even as we heard in the scripture reading earlier. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Well, it's found though, for those who are in Christ, it's found in imitating Christ. Consider Jesus. Now we read of, or we read of the song of Moses, who proclaimed that God is faithful. But if you read of God's statement about Moses, he says of Moses that he is faithful in all his house. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, where this statement is echoed by the writer to the Hebrews. Hebrews 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, Hebrews 3, 1, partakers of a whole heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. All right, so who are we to look at? Look at Jesus. He was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was in all his house, quoting from Exodus forty sixteen and Numbers 12, 7. He was faithful in all his house, for he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, that's Jesus, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. 
Verse 5, Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. We hold fast. Now, Moses was faithful in his house. I mean, just think about it. Uh, Moses had a tough job description. All right, Moses, I want you to go. Uh, you're following these sheep in the wilderness. I want you to go back to Egypt. What had happened to Moses? Why was he in the wilderness? Well, because he kind of had a death threat uh, hanging over his head back in Egypt. They were going to arrest him for the death of that Egyptian servant that he had slain in his defense of his fellow countrymen. Well, He's going to go back there. Well, that's not easy. But what's he going to do? He's going to go try to convince this nation of Jews, the children of Abraham, who are oppressed, who are being persecuted, who are being forced into labor by the Egyptians. They have nothing. They have no weapons. And he's going to convince them to rise up and now come out with him against Pharaoh's armies and his chariots and all of that. And he's going to convince Pharaoh to let them go. Well, he, 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 he does it. And as they go out into the wilderness, do you think they have, okay, let's have a, an appreciation service for Moses? <laughs> he doesn't get much appreciation. You brought us out here. What are we going to eat? And God gives manna. Oh, all we have is this manna. And now we don't have water. He, all he gets is complaints. And what does he do? You know, twice it was that God came to Moses and said, let me just wipe them out and I'll start all over again with you. Moses doesn't go for it. He says, no, Lord, the, what will happen? The people will say that you brought the people out here to just to kill them and all the nations will think that you're not faithful. No, 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 God. Moses was faithful to what he had committed to do to bring the people out. He was faithful. When Korah rebelled, he didn't quit. He was faithful. When the people wanted to go back to Egypt, he didn't quit. He was faithful. Moses was faithful in all his house. But now there's a greater than Moses. It's the Lord Jesus. And you think of Jesus' ministry on the earth, it was also not an easy task he had. He had the opposition of the Jews. He came to his own, John tells us, but his own, they didn't applaud him. His own received him not. Even his disciples gave him uh, quite a few headaches. And he had to say even to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He did not prove unfaithful. And even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when that cup of God's wrath was presented as it were to him, he said, if possible, let the cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He embraced his mission. He took the cup, drank it to its bitter dregs, so that you, brother and sister, might be saved. He was faithful. He was faithful. Imitate. That's what the writer to the Hebrews says. Consider him. Consider Jesus. Fix your eyes on him, the author and finisher of our faith. And run that race with endurance. Be faithful. It's found in the grace of truthfulness. David asks the question in Psalm 15, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? And what's the answer? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness, he swears to his own hurt and does not change. But I'm going to lose money. Nope, I said it. I meant what I said. I said what I meant. I'm going to do it. Truthfulness. It's found in the grace of perseverance. He who perseveres to the end will be saved. And so 
brethren, here is faithfulness. We, we keep our word and we keep our commitment firm till the end. What he began, he will accomplish. But you know, his preserving us goes hand in hand with our persevering. And you need to continue and persevere as well. And so, where does it come from? It comes from the Spirit. It's found in imitating Christ. It's found in the grace of truthfulness and perseverance. What hinders it? What hinders it? Well, you know what hinders it? The wiles of the enemy. The temptations that we meet. And we had a, an excellent message last Lord's Day evening, if you were here, in which we were told of the warfare. We were told to take up that... Uh, that sword of the spirit, we're told to take up the full armor of God to stand fast. Having done all. Oh man, I'm done, thankfully. No, you're not done yet. Having done everything, what do you still need to do? Stand. Don't give up. What hinders it? Well, the devil, the wiles of the enemy, the darts, the flaming arrows. The devil comes and offers an easier way out. You know, as we, we sing, principalities and powers mustering their unseen array. Wait for thine unguarded hours. Watch and pray. Uh, you know, the devil offers options. Oh, the Christian life, that's so hard. Oh, you, you just try, you slack off a little bit. You come my way and, and I'll give you something easier. Well, be careful of the devil's bargains because uh, the devil's bypath meadows, as Pilgrim, as Bunyan's Pilgrim found out, where does that lead? To the giant's dungeons. It's not going to turn out well if you listen to the whisperings of Satan. Uh, Satan comes like the, uh, the lazy man, and he says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of your hands to rest. Oh, it's, it's going to turn out all right. Just, you don't have to be so serious. One time, I was going back uh, when I was in the academy, uh, Pastor Mitch Lush and I were students together, and there was a visitor who came to the church, and after hearing Pastor Martin and after observing our worship, uh, said of this church, and it hasn't really changed since then in this matter, well, that's peak freeing religion. Now, I'm showing my age. Some of you old folks my age can remember a certain cookie, the peak freen. Peak freens are a very serious cookie, was the jingle of the advertisement. You remember that? Very serious cookie. Well, they called this church peak freeing religion. Very serious. <laughs> well, yeah, we mean what, we, what we're dealing with. We're dealing with life and death, heaven and hell. What's not serious about that? The devil comes along and says, you don't have to be so serious. You can slack off. Oh, just, you know, cut some corners here. You'll still get to heaven. Oh, you don't have to be such a serious person about Christianity. There are a lot of other churches out there that aren't serious. You can go and you can have a great time and still be a Christian, a good Christian, the devil says. Listen to me. Oh, yeah, I know there are other churches. I'm not saying every other church out there is, you know, don't get me wrong. Please, please, please don't misunderstand me. But beware of the devil's whisperings. When you're looking for an easier way out, you're looking for a shortcut, a bypath meadow, where you don't have to be so strict and well, say, well, you know, but I really want to get to heaven. Yeah, yeah, but you know, just slack off. Be careful of that. It's dangerous. The devil comes with many enticements and Peter tells us, be of sober spirit. Wait a minute. That, that doesn't sound like fun and games, does it? Be of sober spirit. First Peter 5, 8. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a little pussycat. 
Not in my Bible. Like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him firm in your faith. You know what that means? Being faithful. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. James says, James 4, 7, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist him. Stand firm. Now, if I may, if you'll pardon me using another example from classical literature, perhaps this might be on the list of the great books, I'm not sure. But in Treasure Island, good Captain Smollett is offered a deal by the wily pirate Long John Silver. And in, he wants the, the treasure map, and he says, I'll let you live. You give me the treasure map. And you know what the good captain says? And I love this line. It's, I think the best line in the book. He says, my name is Alexander Smollett. I've flown my sovereign's colors, and I'll see you all to Davy Jones. You get that? I've flown my sovereign's colors. Now, brethren, I hope we can say, I have flown King Jesus' colors. I serve my king, and I'm not going to listen to your deals no matter what you offer me. And I'll see you, devil, to the lake of fire with all your minions. Because I know my king is going to put you there. And I don't need to listen to your wiles. Now, I use that illustration because it speaks to my own heart. I've flown my sovereign's colors. Have you? Do you know the King Jesus that I serve? Has he delivered you? Has he shown his faithfulness to you? He didn't flinch and turn back in the Garden of Gethsemane. For the joy set before him of seeing me saved. And seeing you saved, brother and sister, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And now he sits down at the right hand of the throne on high. Do you serve your sovereign's colors? Do you serve that king? Don't listen to the devil with his wiles, with his insinuations, with his suggestions, with his offers, with his bargains. When he tempts you, and he will, and he does, you just tell him, I've flown my sovereign's colors, and I still fly them, and I'm not going to listen to you. Forget about it. And really, I think that's the big hindrance to our faithfulness, is listening to and giving in to the wiles of the devil. Stand firm, plant your flag, and don't give in. What does it mean for us? Well, you know, I, I have a, a bit more to say here than I've said in, reason, in recent messages because I've thought that I think there's a lot more that can be said in application of these principles. What does it mean for us? Well, I'll ask the same question that I've asked every time. Are you this? Are you faithful? I asked, are you, are you doing good? Are you good? Are you manifesting goodness? Are you manifesting love, joy, peace, patience, uh, kindness, and goodness? Well, now we come to faithfulness. Are you, are you faithful? Well, if you're a Christian, you have this as a kernel because you have the Spirit. You've received the Spirit by faith. You're not what you used to be. You know, all men are liars by nature. We've gone astray from the womb speaking lies. What makes you trustworthy? Well, it's the grace of God. And so, brethren, as, as Paul wrote to the Roman Christians, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. You have the spirit, if you are a Christian, you can say, well, I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I shall be one day, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. And yes, I want to be more faithful, but thankfully I have something of this. Because if you're a Christian, you have it. And if you don't have it, what does that mean? 
Well, I used this verse last week, and I'm going to use it again. John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil. Now, what's the trademark of the devil? Well, he's not good. <laughs> That's why I used it last week. But in what way especially does his not goodness manifest itself? Well, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of it, the father of lies. In other words, you can't trust the devil. So again, the devil comes around with his deals. You know, you're going you're gonna to buy that used car from the devil? It, it doesn't make sense. Don't listen to him. And so if you are of your father, the devil, if you're just like him, you're untrustworthy, you know, you speak lies, uh, you breathe out lies. In fact, the, we read in the Proverbs, you know, the, this person breathes out lies. Well, What's that? That's just the nature, human nature. You don't have to teach kids to lie. There's the little kid with chocolate all over his mouth. And you say, did you take that chocolate out of the fridge? I told you not to touch. No, mom. Who taught the kid to do that? By nature. What changes that nature? And dear friend, Hosea spoke of this. Back in the Old Testament, of the, this was of the Israelites, the supposed people of God. But you remember, they also, the, most of them fell in the wilderness. And in Hosea's day, it was not much different. Hosea says of them, Hosea 4, 1 to 3, Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel. For the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. Now, what's God's case, Hosea says, against the people? Because there is no faithfulness or kindness. Oh, there's another fruit of the Spirit. Or knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore the land mourns and everyone who lives in it languishes. Along with the beasts of the field and the birds of the eye and the fish of the sea disappear. You see... All of those things describe our society. They describe you. You're not a Christian. What do you need? Well, here's the hope. Jeremiah chapter 3. And even, it's found even in the Old Testament because you see it's one book. Looking forward, he says, return, O faithless sons. Come back, come to me. And I will heal your faithlessness. Nobody can trust you. You can't trust yourself. God says, come to me. I'll heal your faithlessness. Behold, we come to you for you are the Lord our God. Surely the hills are a deception, a tumult on the mountains. Surely in the Lord our God, says Jeremiah, is the salvation of Israel. In the Lord our God. So you come to Jesus. You come to him and say, wash me, cleanse me, change me. I'm sick and tired of who I am. You ever feel that way? I did before I was saved. Even sometimes still. Because I'm sick of sin. Come, Lord, wash me, cleanse me. That's what he does in the gospel. The blood of Jesus, his son. 1 John 4, 7. 1, 7 rather. Cleanses us. From all sin. I thank God for that verse. All sin. Whew, washed away. And so there's healing. I will heal your faithlessness. Come to the Lord Jesus for healing. He can do it. His word is true. He is absolutely trustworthy. But for God's people here this morning, do you need more faithfulness? Of course you do. You trust the Savior. You're new in Christ. How do you grow? Well, <laughs> it's the fruit of the Spirit. And what do we see? And, and we actually heard it in uh, our adult Bible class. What do you do if you need to uh, speak more like Jesus graciously, uh, faithfully? How do you do that? Well, you pray. You sow to the Spirit. You pray. You seek His face. Soak your soul in His Word. Not in, and, and forgive me, Netflix or whatever. And, and okay, entertainment has its place perhaps. But how much time do you spend in that versus in the Word? 
Do you want to do good for your soul? It's this book. It's prayer. So to the Spirit, soak your soul in his word. My, thy word have I hidden my heart, that I might not sin against thee. It's found in the imitation of Christ. Look to the Master. Read the Gospels again and again. See how Jesus was faithful in his house. That house he built. He's still building. This is his house. Not the walls and the roof, but the living stones. He's building it. I'm thankful, by the way. And, and we have a number of visitors here this morning. I'm so glad you're here. And I pray God will build you into this house. Make you one of the living stones right here. We're glad you're here. But you need more faithfulness. Where do you get it? You pray. You use the means. You follow the master. You read the gospels. You know, sometimes to be faithful means you have to do what you're supposed to do, right? You're faithful to your task. Jesus was. He just kept going when it wasn't easy. Moses was faithful. Well, you ever feel so bad, you feel like, I just don't feel like doing it? You ever feel like that? I have. But you know what you got to do when you feel like that? Just do it. Because you sit there and you lie there and say, oh, I feel so bad. I don't feel like doing it today. I don't feel like having my devotions. I don't feel like doing what I'm supposed to do. And what you're going to do, what's going to happen after you do nothing? You feel worse. Just do it. And you pray to God, give me the strength I need. And he promises all grace, all sufficiency. And so what do we do? We're faithful. Lord Jesus, you were faithful. But you kept to it, even when it was hard. Help me to be faithful. Great is your faithfulness. And you can heal my faithlessness. Heal it. I bring it to you. It's found in resisting the devil. Again, you plant your flag and you don't listen to his suggestions. His bargains are bad deals. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. You think, you, you know, you say, well, nobody's got it as bad as I do. Believe me, there are other folks out there. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. You know the verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure. There's the escape hatch. You have to look for it. You have to pray about it. But he's faithful. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. Where, where do you apply faithfulness? And this is a, a question that I thought of. Actually, 4 a.m. this morning, woke up early and couldn't get back to sleep. And so you start thinking about your sermon for the day. And I thought, well, you know, there's something more I need to say about faithfulness. And that is, where do you apply faithfulness? Well, let me apply it this way. In finances, first of all, we mentioned that about the temple, that those who received the money, they didn't have to have an accounting. Where did you spend this shekel and that dime? Because they were faithful. Are you faithful in money? Somebody entrusts you a sum. This is for this cause, for this purpose, for the church or whatever. Do you spend it that way or do you take your cut? Paul was careful with that money that was collected for the saints in Jerusalem. He didn't want anybody to say, well, Paul got his, his little cut out of that. He wanted to make sure he did all things honorable in the sight of God and all men. Faithful with regard to money. He who is faithful in a little thing, Jesus said, is faithful in much. If you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon, that's money, who will entrust true riches to you. In marriage, means faithfulness in marriage. You've made a vow, husbands and wives, till death you shall part. 
You've made a vow. Is that something in the scriptures? Malachi chapter 2. And I just invite you to turn there. Malachi chapter 2. This is faithfulness in marriage. Last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 2. There was a problem in Israel. The men were not being faithful to their wives. And yet they thought, you know, if we come to the altar, we come and worship God, we worship him with weeping and groaning, then he should hear us. And Malachi says, no, he won't regard your offering. And yet you say, for what reason? Verse 14, Malachi 2, 14, because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously, could be translated unfaithfully. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. You see, when you stand in front of witnesses and the pastor says, will you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife or whatever words he uses? And you say, I do. In the presence of those witnesses, you have sworn a vow, which is a covenant. Your wife by covenant for I hate, uh, for, verse 15, but not one is done so as a remnant of the Spirit. <clears throat> but what did that one do while he was seeking a godly offspring? Take heed then to your spirit and let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. And him who covers his garment with wrong, says the Lord of hosts. So take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously or unfaithfully faithfulness to your marriage covenant. Now, I know there are some who are victims of an unfaithful spouse. That's painful, isn't it? Don't do it. Young people, I see young couples here. Be faithful. And when you reach, like my parents, 70 years of marriage, what a blessing. The joy a faithful marriage. In promises, a faithful will, witness will not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. Proverbs 15, 14, verse 5. A faithful witness. Do you, do you, are you trustworthy? Are you a man of your word? You say it. You mean it. It's true. Can people trust you? Business dealings. Of course, that's finances. Promises, things happen to us that come up in our lives. We can't control all the circumstances. You get a flat tire. Uh, your plane gets canceled because of weather. Things happen that we don't make some of our appointments. Well, that's not our do doing. But so far as it lies with you, are you faithful to your word? Are you a man of your word, a woman, a girl, boy and girl of your word in promises? In ministry. 1 Corinthians, and I'm talking to myself, I know. 1 Corinthians 4, <clears throat> 1 and 2. Let a man so consider us, Paul writes, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So when we stand in this pulpit, it is right for you to expect that we're faithful in our work, faithful in preparing a solid biblical message that's going to expound what the scriptures say, not what we feel, not what we think, but what does God say? Faithful. It's required of stewards that one be found faithful. That's the key verse of TMA. Trinity Ministerial Academy. The things that you have heard from me, 2 Timothy 2.2. Among many witnesses, the, these commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also in ministry. How about us? We're, we're not ministers. Well, in church members. Look back at Colossians, something we studied oh, a couple years ago, but I'll remind you of it say the same thing is not harmful by any stretch of the imagination. Colossians chapter 4, look at these two men. As to all my affairs, Colossians 4, 7, Tychicus, our beloved brother and 
faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord will bring you information. Oh, you say, but he's a minister. He's a fellow servant of Paul. But well, wait a minute. How about this guy? Verse 9, and with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, one of your number. Remember Onesimus, the ex-slave? Well, he's certainly not a minister, although that nothing of being an ex-slave would have prohibited him from being a minister. But he's just an ordinary member, one of your number, one of you guys. He came from me, he's going back there. Onesimus, he's a faithful brother. And so, church members, members of Trinity Baptist Church, you have made, in a sense, a vow. You became a member. You said, we're going to attend the stated meetings. We want to be part of the church. Because really, what's, what's being a member but being part of the body? And just, you know, if there's a part of the body missing, you know, something's, something's gone there. Uh, doesn't quite work all as it should. And, well, y'all are here, so <laughs> talking to the choir, but someone may be watching who isn't sick or incapacitated. You're part of the body. It's a commitment. Do your part. One member suffers, all suffer. It's, 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 it's a family. What... Pastor Carlson read from the Corinthians. I'll just echo also here. Our hearts are wide open to you. You know, we pastors, we stand up here. We maybe thump the pulpit or, or yell a little bit. Or Our hearts are open to you. We're not your enemies. Please don't make us your enemies. We love you all. And we want to get you to heaven. Is that bad? There's no law against that. So be faithful. Let's all be faithful. We, oh yeah, we're, we're, we want to do better, but we faithfully want to serve you. We want to get you to heaven. Don't make it hard. <laughs> Let's be faithful members of Trinity Baptist Church. Well, our last verse Verse says for today, Revelation 2.10. And people talk about having a life verse. I've got life verses. This would be one of them. Revelation 2.10, the last part of the verse. Be faithful unto death. How long do I have to keep on being faithful? Unto death. Good old Horton. Good old Alexander Smollett. Good old Daniel. Moses, Jesus, unto death, the death of the cross. Now you, brethren, not to earn his favor. Oh, I got to be faithful to be a good Christian so I can go to heaven. No, no, no. Jesus did it all. Now, embrace him, follow him, be faithful unto death. You have a faithful savior. He did all that for you. He didn't wince. He didn't flinch. He didn't hold back. You follow his steps. Be faithful unto death. And what will he say on that day? I will give you the crown of life. Well, how does he say it? Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. What's the reward of a faithful servant? Many things. The joy of your master. That's what I hold out before you, brethren, here at Trinity Baptist Church. Friends, is it miserable to be a Christian? Is it miserable to be serious about being a Christian? Not at all. Enter the joy of your master. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we confess... We want to be more faithful. We want those who come behind us to find us faithful examples. We want to be faithful unto death. We need your Spirit's help. We need that you would work in us more faithfulness. Help us to plant our flag and to say no to the wiles of the devil.
when he comes with his wily ways and insinuating uh, suggestions, that we would plant our flag and say no. We know that you are king. We know that you will conquer. You're conquering and still to conquer. And the devil and all of his angels will be cast into the lake of fire. We don't want to go there with them. And so we ask, keep us faithful. And we ask especially for the pastors of Trinity Baptist Church that you would help us to be faithful stewards of the mysteries that you have entrusted to us, those revealed mysteries in the scriptures, faithful with the souls that you have entrusted to us, for we will give an account. But we ask for each member of Trinity Baptist Church that you will make each of us faithful, not burdened, not feeling loaded upon, but loving it. Because we have such a great God, such a great Savior, who is faithful to us. We pray for the married couples here at Trinity Baptist Church, that you will grant faithfulness to each one, male and female, faithful to each other, faithful unto death, that they might have the joy of long-term committed relationship loving each other, even to the grave. We ask that you would make us faithful with our finances, faithful with our promises, with our words, that Solomon, with his question, a faithful man who can find, we would be able to answer. I've found many of them here at Trinity Baptist Church. May it be so, Lord, work this mightily, to a great degree, and to you be all the praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.